It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at, at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Now, this is interesting because the priest now asks him questions concerning David. He says, Who's more loyal than David is to you? Now, you have to remember something here, friends. David is a national hero. He's the one that killed Goliath. So you're not just talking about just a son-in-law of the king, but you're talking about somebody who had done a great exploit that nobody in the the army of Israel would do. And that means go out and take on Goliath by himself. Did I begin to inquire of the Lord for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything on his servant or to anything in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. He goes, I don't know why David came, you know. Now, this is where, again, David lied to Ahimelech, saying he was on a special purpose for the king. And he left in such great haste, he didn't take food or even a sword. And the king said to him, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew when he fled that they did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. This is interesting to me, because even though the king ordered them to do something, they knew what their earthly king was saying was wrong, and they wouldn't do it. Now, somebody has asked before concerning civil law, Do we disobey when what the government says to do is wrong? It is interesting here that the king's word was the law of the land. He told his servants to kill the priests, and his servants refused to do that. So you might say his servants were in direct violation of the king's word. Um, Notice it says... Then the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed them that day, 85 men who wore the linen ephod or the priest garments is what it's saying. So Doeg, this Edomite, is the one who fulfilled Saul's wishes. Now it's interesting here because we find that what Saul would not do to the enemy that Samuel told him to do. If you remember back, um, he was told to go in and wipe out the Amalekites and don't leave any of them alive. 
And he would not do that. He brought the king back and brought the best animals back and everything like that. He used the excuse, we're going to sacrifice to the Lord. And that's when Samuel said to Saul, to obey is greater than to sacrifice. And, and, and what, so what Saul would not do to his enemy in killing them, as God had said, he did to God's servants and kill them. Shows you how messed up Saul really was. Sometimes we'll find that people who are in our, within the household of faith are more vicious and more evil than those outside the house of faith. Doeg then carries out the king's wishes. Who killed the, the priests, really? Well, Saul. Saul is the one who's responsible. Doeg, the Edomite, did his bidding, but it was really at Saul's command. And even the children of Israel, his servants, had more common sense than to know than to kill the priests. And so, also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, nursing infants, oxen, donkeys, sheep, with the edge of the sword. It is interesting to me, again, the wickedness of this guy named Doeg. We'll find out what happens to him later on. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Atab, named Abathar, escaped and fled to David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. And David said to Abner, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. It is interesting here that David does not blame anybody for this mishap other than himself. And no doubt he thought back to when he lied to to the high priest. And Himelech, when he was telling him that he was on a special mission from the king, he realized that all those people had died. It's interesting to me that... um, that over in um, Psalms 119.29, David writes and says, deliver me of the way of lying. There's a lot of people who lie so much that they can't, they don't even know what reality is anymore. They, they live as much in a lie as they do. And so really you have to discount everything that they say. Uh, I've been around people like this and I don't, uh, when I'm around people like that, I just say, whatever you're saying is not true. They have convoluted so much truth with lies that everything about them is polluted and you just can't even get into that. And so that's why I believe the Bible tells us to depart from a liar in Proverbs. Because again, it's also mixed up. You can't tell. There's an old saying, if their lips are moving, they're lying. That's a pretty serious place to be. Now, a lot of times people will make their livings that way. And I think a lot of times people have a hard time turning it on and turning it off. I think of oftentimes I knew some police officers down in California who made a regular regular thing of lying. Remember this one cop, would I, I talked to him one time, and he, he said, yeah, he says, I, I pull over whoever I want. And I said, how do you do that? And he goes, well, I just turn the red light on. And that was when the lights were red. Now they're blue. But he pulls them over. He goes up and says, can I see your driver's license registration and all that? And he says, be surprised how many people I find don't have that. And then if the person has all that, they'll say, why did you pull me over? I wasn't speeding. They'll go, oh, you have a taillight out. Yeah, the one on the left side, on the driver's side, is out. 
And he said every once in a while, the guy that was behind the wheel would say, really? I, I just checked my lights the other day. And he said this one guy got out of the car, walked back, and he knew he was going to be found out. So the cop went back and he hit the taillight and he said, oh, it just came back on. You don't think people lie? Friends, listen. It's a way of life in America. It is that part which even from the very heads of state down to the very poorest person on Skid Row will lie. And it's because, again, we live in a society this way. And I think it's interesting that David now realizes the pain and the sorrow and the agony of those lies because they now had cost the priest and his family and the town of Nob and the children and even the animals their lives. And so he says, stay with me, son of the priest, he says, stay with me and don't fear. For all who seek my life, seeks your life. But with you, with me, you shall be safe. It is noteworthy here that God, that David understood and he provided for him sanctuary, recognizing that all of those enemies were the same. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 23, then David Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Tela, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go attack the Philistines and save Tela. So David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Tela against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again, And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kela, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David with his men went to Kela and fought the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Kela. Now, what's interesting here is David with his 400 men who were in debt, who were running, who were all these, quite quite an impressive army. You you see, again, I believe that in these men, they realized this was their last hope. And I, I think a lot of times, if we, if we, um, you, you know, it's like, it's like it's a do or die situation. Either you're going to get with the program or die. I think a lot of people live their Christianity with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. But you know, if you, if you really recognize it, you're in this to win. And the, the consequences of losing are so great Fight like you're going to win. Don't just say, well, something don't happen here with the Lord. I'll go find me another Savior somewhere. A lot of times people kind of have that nonchalant, careless attitude in their Christian experience. I mean, I've seen this before. And and, and, uh, in our own lives, we can see that sometimes we get a little frustrated with God. God doesn't operate on our time schedule and and we need something or want something in our life to happen and it doesn't happen and we, we get angry with the Lord and so we feel that we're entitled to some kind of little backslide or something. The danger with that is you lose. I, I have never had anybody come to me and say, you know, Mike, I love the Lord for a lot of years. I went on a backslide. I got what I wanted and boy, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I've never had anybody like that. In fact, people have always told me, wow, when I left the Lord's side, all there was was pain and sorrow and misery. Well, he tells us here. 
Now it happened, verse 6, when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Kelah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Kelah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand and has shut uh, himself in by entering a town which has gates and bars. This is interesting because Saul in his wickedness attributes these things to an act of God. Now, maybe the God of this world, but not the Lord who would do such a thing. I think it's interesting that a person in the spiritual backslidden apostate condition that Saul was in still talks God. You'll find that a lot of times. That people will do heinous things in the name of the Lord, cloaking it with Christianese. Have you ever noticed those people that talk about others and they cloak it with, well, we really love Sam, but... And out comes the acid. And they feel that because they said, we really love such and so, but then they just download their junk. They somehow feel that this justifies their sin. And that's what it is, a sin. Well, notice that Saul, in his just hacking up the priests a few days back, now we find that he is saying, look, the Lord has delivered David into my hands in the city of Kelah, which has no, no, uh, which, which, uh, has no exits and is, is basically a, a trap for him. And so it says, Then Saul called the people together for war to go down to Kelah and besiege David and his men. Now, instead of Saul being relieved, Blessed that David took on the Philistines and won. Uh, instead of that, now he's going after to kill David. It's kind of bad <laughs> when you got arrows coming at you from both sides, ain't it? You know, you expect them from the world. You don't expect them from uh, people on your side. But you find all the way through the scripture, friends, that's the way it was. I wish it was different. And if it's not happening to you, you're probably not where God wants you to be. Ooh, I know I probably offended some of you with that remark, but it's true. You find that Saul was an Israelite king. He had people with him who saw the great exploits that David did by killing Goliath. And yet he was able to rally an army to come kill David And in the midst of him killing, trying to kill David, here David just kills the Philistines. And so we find that there is friendly fire and there's enemy fire from both. But this is probably an isolated incident, don't you think? And probably we don't find it anywhere else in the scripture. Aren't you glad to know that? Or not? You had the Pharisees after Jesus' life. You had the Sadducees after Jesus' life. So that was definitely oppositional enemy. It's a good thing that Jesus had his loyal 12, wasn't it? Or did he have loyal 12? We remember Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. We remember that Paul writes in, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that he was in danger from not only those that were within, but also those who were without, he, uh, from his own countrymen. 
And in fact, Jesus said it like this, a man's enemies are the enemies of his own household. So don't think it's so strange when it happens to you. Because otherwise you'll get really disappointed with the family of God. Because friends, we expect it from the world. I don't expect it from people who say and claim that they know God and yet they attack us, me, you. I think it's tragic and it's sad and we live in a world that has fallen. And I'm sure, again, that these people in their warped, twisted minds justify their erratic behavior just as they did concerning Paul and Jesus and David and the others. Because again, friends, there is that of justifying your sin. This is why the book of James talks about where do wars and fightings come from among you. And he gets down to what the real brass tacks are. And that's because of covetousness. And then the ends of the chapter, it talks about being a judge. And the reason why that is, is because in order to do these evil things, we have to justify it in our conscience. Well, we saw this person do that, or we heard this person do this, or we saw some behavior we didn't approve of. And so therefore we're justified to be as wicked as we can be. Scary stuff. It's scary stuff. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish there was some uh, wonderful thing. You know, sometimes when I teach, I'm kind of a goof and kind of goofy and I make everybody laugh. But you know, there's other times in the scripture where I'm dead serious. And this is one of the nights, I'm, well, I'm always serious when I teach the Bible, but sometimes it's a little more humorous than others. But you know, when we really look at this, we realize that, hey, there are souls on the line out there. And again, the devil does not like fruit in your life, my life, our lives together. And will do whatever he can do through people who are weak in the faith. Though they may appear to be strong, they are weak in the faith. Because if they were really strong in the faith, they would not attack themselves. Paul said it like this, they went out from us because they were never really part of us. I think that's a tragedy. Because here you find, again, Saul, an Israelite king, coming after his own son-in-law. He's got the enemy, the, the Philistines firing on him. He's got the Israelites firing on him. You know, it kind of makes us trust God, doesn't it? There's nowhere else to go. It, 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 you know, you really look at it. You remember that the children of Israel left Egypt... And they come through the, through the desert and they come to the Red Sea and there's mountains on both sides and the sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army bearing down behind them. There's only one way out. Straight up. And you see, I believe a lot of times God will go to great things to get us to look up. And certainly in this particular case with David, we see that. And so it says that Saul called the people together, verse 8, for war to go down to Calah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. He said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Calah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Calah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant now, yes. (laughs) You ever been like that with God? Okay, God, I prayed a lot of times, but I'm really serious right now. (laughs) Have we ever done that? 
He said, listen, will the men of Cala just come and grab me and say, hey, look, this is the guy you want. Take him. Don't destroy the city. You just take him. Now, again, you have to remember that David just delivered Cala, the city, from the Philistines. So in one way, David is kind of a city hero here. But David did not trust in his past successes for his deliverance. Friends, this is a, 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 one of the greatest things you will learn. This is a truth in the Bible. Never trust your past successes in place of inspiration from God. It is real easy to say, well, look how how good I did in the past, so now let's kick it into freewheeling for a while and we'll coast. David recognized that there was a problem, and what he did is he didn't say, hey, they're not going to do nothing to me. I'm fine. I don't need to talk about... He says, God, you help me. Oh, Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant... And the Lord said, he will come down. And David said, will the men of Caleb deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. Oh, the bunch of loyal people. After he just delivered them from the Philistines, he says here that, yes, God says they'll turn you over. Their loyal, loyalty runs ankle deep, which means it ain't deep at all. Now, I think this is interesting, friends, because you look at the nature of people here. One of the things when you study Scripture is there's a lot of things here that you look at. The first thing you look at, of course, naturally, is the story that we're examining. Second of all, when we read, we also look at the spiritual aspect of it and the futuristic aspect as well. That's why when the Hebrews would read, they would read the Scripture in three actually mindsets. The obvious, the, the, the spiritual application, and the future application. Now, the future application tells us a little bit about the way, the composure of what makes men what they are or women what they are. And remember, they will traitor on you. This is one of the things that David is finding, I believe, hard to believe because this is something that concerned him. And I believe, friends, God gives us unctions from his spirit so that we will pray about it to find out what is on the heart of God rather than operate on our feelings or what everybody else says. Now, if you're following this, because the thing is, it was something that troubled him. Will the people of Caleb turn me over to Saul? And God said, yes, they will. And David realized he had a problem. Because in other words, the very people who he delivered and saved their grain and saved them from starvation, they would not fight with David, which tells you a little bit about the fickleness of people. We all want to be popular. We all want to be liked. We all want people to applaud when we walk in a room. But friends, listen, that can change like that. We remember in the the New Testament, Paul and his companion went into a town. And when a person got healed, they thought they were Zeus and Hermes that came down out of the sky. There's an old rumor that in that town that he'd visited them once before, the gods did, and they failed to recognize him. And this time they weren't going to miss it. And so when they saw this man healed, the people came and began to sacrifice to him. And we remember Paul and his companion, they tore their clothes and they said, we are fellow people like you are. What you saw was the power of God. And it's interesting because it says in that same day, a group of people, Judaizers, came down and rallied the crowd against them. And so one minute they're being hailed as gods, Zeus and Hermes, and the next minute they're being drugged out of the city and stoned to death. So you think if you're going to play to the crowd for public opinion, or you're going to trust in things that you've done for others that's going to get you through it, listen, you better go back to a relationship with God again because you trust men. Men will let you down. Women will let you down. 
We want to believe our alliances and our relationships are stronger than they are. And I have found even in the best of friends, they will turn on you like that. All you have to do to find out what, how, how, what your friends are doing is what are they saying to everybody else behind your back? I think it's important. You don't think it's true? Happened to David. Do you think you're better than David? They did it to Jesus. Are you better than Jesus? They came to Jesus and they said, why do you eat with publicans and sinners? Jesus said, well, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. Do you think that's the first time they discussed that remark? Before they finally brought it to the face of Jesus? Or when they said to Jesus, should we pay taxes or not? Thinking that if Jesus said, don't pay taxes because everybody hated the Roman government, the Romans will come and haul him off and put him in jail. And if Jesus says, pay your taxes, well, he's in cahoots with the Roman government. The Jews won't listen to him anymore. We've got him. Do you think that that was just a spur-of-the-moment question? Or do you think they got together in rooms and contrived and thought of questions they could ask Jesus to trap him in his words? Friends, listen, I think a lot more goes on than we think based upon prior conniving that goes happen. We see this here. This was a, this was something that David was, was fearful of. Will they deliver me? Yes, they will. Let's look. Verse 12, 13. So David and his men, now about 600, arose and departed from Calah and went wherever they could go. There it was, they told Saul and that David had escaped from Calah. Uh, he halted, uh, the expedition or trying to go down there. David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zip. And Saul sought him every day, but God would not deliver him into Saul's hand. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.